You are listening to The North Podcast, a ministry of Mount Perrin North in Marietta, Georgia. I knew the moment I saw her, her face was glowing, her innocent eyes filled with a peace I had just recently come to know myself. Something had changed. Something was different. And then she spoke, and I knew, and my baby knew. She was no longer our normal kind and sweet Mary. No, this Mary, this Mary was set apart. She was chosen. Tears filled my eyes, and I remember my throat closing up because of the emotion that swept over me. And then before I could stop them, the truest words I had ever spoken poured out from a place I didn't even know existed. Mary, our Mary, was carrying the Messiah. We hugged for a long time. She placed her hands on my then large stomach. You already knew, didn't you? I asked her. He told me, she said. I had always known our God performed miracles. My husband, Zechariah, he devoted his life to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God who parted the Red Sea and who won battles for his people. I mean, he gave me a barren old woman who had given up all hope, a baby. But I couldn't have never imagined this, that he would find my family worthy to carry his son. Mary told me about her visit with the angel, about how he told her she didn't have to fear and that she had found favor with God. I remember asking Mary, what did you say to the angel? She looked at me, those innocent eyes, and with bravery in her voice, she said, I told him I am his servant. I had no idea how those words would change her life forever how difficult it would be to be the mother of our Savior. How many times she must have remembered that promise she made to God. Every time they mocked him, every time they called him a liar, every time they questioned who he was, every time they betrayed him, Every time they spit in his face, even when no one else believed, Mary did. And she was blessed because of it.
Good morning, everybody. Merry Christmas to you. Oh, come on. You can do better than that. Merry Christmas. That's what I'm talking about. Good to see you all here this morning. Glad you have chosen to worship here at Mount Perrin North uh, on Christmas Eve. For those of you in the room, those of you joining us online, glad you're with us as well. And at the end of the service, we're going to be celebrating with um, uh, candlelight, um, lighting uh, candlelight uh, together. And uh, so if you're at home, grab some candles. You can do that as well. Be a part of this community as well uh, as we celebrate that and light candles at the end. Remember that Jesus declared himself that he is the light of the world. We started a series we're concluding today um, a few weeks ago called Holy Moments. We're looking at different moments in the story of the birth of Jesus. And today we're going to look at the power of a memory, the power of a memory. And we're going to be in Luke chapter 2, but what I want you to do is, in just a moment, we're going to read together. We'll see Luke chapter 2, verse 19. I don't want that. This is not going to be on the screen. I want to read to you the Christmas story, Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 18, and I want you to sit there and listen to the Christmas story. You can close your eyes. You can look up here. But listen to the Christmas story for just a moment. Starting in verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. And when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who, were lying, who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Now verse 19 that will be on the screen. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Let's talk this morning about the power of a memory. Let's pray. Father, in these next few moments... I pray that you would continue to be with us as you have in our worship to you and our prayers um, in a dramatic monologue. Be in this place. I ask you to be with us. I pray you touch my voice, give it strength this morning. And I pray you anoint the words you've given me to say as they go forth. Anoint our ears to hear them and our hearts to receive them so that you may accomplish your perfect will. And Lord, we'll be careful to give you the praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. A few weeks ago when we started this series, I reminded you of something or maybe informed you of something is that life is not experienced in linear fashion. It's not experienced in storybook form. It's actually experienced in moments. You remember moments and then your mind fills in the details around those moments. So that's why when, we, when you experience something similar to someone, you'll remember certain details and someone else will remember other details. It's because in different parts of an experience, something stands out to you. You remember the things that stand out to you. That's why you think when somebody else doesn't remember the things you remember, that they, their memory is a little fuzzy on things. You ever, you ever been around somebody who has fuzzy memory? You ever, yeah? Are you that person? Yes. So it's, it's really not that. It's when you experience an event, there's a moment or two moments that stand out to you, and maybe a different moment stands out to someone else. And your brain remembers that, and then fills in some of the details around it. Life is experienced 
in moments. Your own life is, my life is. There are some things that, that really mark your life. Like for me, there's monumental moments in just history of things that have happened in my lifetime. That President Nixon was the only president in United States history to ever resign from office. That's, that's a big deal. That President Reagan was shot. And I remember being in sixth grade and someone from the front office rushing in and telling the teacher that President Reagan had been assassinated because that was the news that was getting out at the time, rocking your world at that time. I remember when the Space Shuttle Challenger, um, on its descent back in, ex- uh, on its um, uh, ascent, exploded and how it just rocked us to the core. I remember the first Gulf War because that was really the first time that I could remember in my lifetime that we were actively involved in a conflict. I remember 9-11 and the fear of things that happened with everyone experiencing that because for the first time in a long time, there was violence that had come to our turf, to our soil, and it changed everything. You have those moments in your life where you experience those things and it begins to change things in your life and others are experiencing it as well. There are probably some things that happen in your life that are humorous, that, that, that make you recall certain parts of your life. Now, I don't know about you, but I've probably had way more than I should have. I think I'm, I think I'm overperforming in these times. So I remember, um, it's funny now, it wasn't funny then, I remember when I was 14 years old driving my dad's car, who was a pastor of a church, through the side of the sanctuary wall and putting a hole in the church on a Saturday afternoon and the whole church had to come out and fix the hole before we could have service the next day. You say, what act of stupidity were you thinking at that moment? I don't have time to describe the stupidity that was going on in my head during that time. I remember being in college thinking it was a good idea to have a different experience. And me and a few of my buddies jumping on a train that was moving and thinking, we'll ride it to the other side of town, not understanding that the train would pick up speed and we wouldn't be able to jump off on the other side of town. And we wound up 25 miles down the road in a different town having to jump off the train. You say, what moment of stupidity hit you. I cannot begin to describe to you the stupidity that it takes to do those things. I remember getting into ministry and the first time I was in ministry at the church I was serving at, I remember we were serving communion. And so um, the ushers and the elders, they were all serving the congregation. My job, we used to say, we had those throne chairs back then. Do you remember those things? where the pastor and the staff, certain staff. So I was in one of the throne chairs and my job was to serve communion to everybody on the stage, okay? So I did. I served communion to everybody on the stage and I went and I was going to take the the communion down the steps. I was so, I was brand new at this. So I had brand new shoes that I had forgotten to rough the edges up on the bottom. And so they were slick. And so as I'm going down the steps, as the pastor says, everybody bow your head and let's prepare your hearts to receive the elements that you just got. I remember my left foot hitting that, the front part of that stage. And I remember somehow, some way I surfed down the steps. My right foot never touched. My left foot touched every step. I don't know how, but when I got to the bottom of the steps at the floor, I looked up. I was still upright. I hadn't spilled anything. I didn't think anybody noticed. And I looked up to see the pastor. He was still praying, but he was looking at me with one eye open going. (laughs) All I could do was just go look at him and go, we're good. I remember coming here 
and being so intimidated by the personality and the aura of Dr. Paul Walker um, when I first arrived here at our first freedom celebration that I was a part of, I remember walking out and I saw Miss Carmelita there. I'm talking to her. Doc walks over and he walks up and I'm still so intimidated by him. I don't know what to say. So I put my hand out to shake his hand. He's got two bottles of water in his hand. I don't pull my hand back. I'm just sitting there like this. So he does this and just extends his finger. I reach over and just grab his finger and shake his finger like this. And then I'm gonna try to redeem that situation and make it lighthearted. So I thought it was a good idea to look at him and say, oh, I'm gonna tell everybody you gave me the finger. You say, what moment of stupidity hit you? I do not have the words to describe the stupidity I felt in that moment. I can remember being here the first time. I remember that we used to order pizza every Saturday night from Domino's. Every Saturday night was our family tradition. And so one summer, I had two conferences and a vacation that we were gone at. And for three straight Saturdays, we were gone. The very next Saturday, my cell phone rings. It's Domino's calling me. The manager calls and says, is everything okay? We notice you haven't ordered in a month. I'm the only man in the history of mankind that's ever got a wellness check from Domino's. Listen, there are moments, but see those moments make you remember certain things in your life that bring you back to the things that were surrounding those circumstances. You remember them in personal moments. You remember the first kiss of that relationship that led to a lifelong relationship and probably a marriage. You remember the birth of a child or a grandchild. You remember the last kiss that you didn't know was the last kiss at the death of a loved one. You see, sometimes you don't know the value of a moment until it becomes a memory. The Bible says Mary is experiencing all of these moments and they're coming rapid fire at such a fast pace that she slows down for a moment and she treasures those things up and she ponders them in her heart. I want to give you three moments that Mary ponders that changes her life and can change your life and my life as well. The moment that we looked at in the first passage, Mary ponders this moment for one particular reason, because she remembers God's promises from the past. She remembers God's promises from the past. Now you recognize when we read about the shepherds that are going to Mary after she's given birth, she's just given birth. Okay. She's just given birth in a stable and laid her child in a manger. I just want you to understand something. A couple of things. A stable is not a barn in which you would think. In those days, the houses were two levels, and the upper level would be where the residents lived. It would be what was called the inn or the sleeping portion of that. The lower level would be called the stable. It's where you brought the animals in at night, okay? So there was no room for them in the end. There's no room for them in the normal sleeping area. So where they're staying, they have to go and they have to live and they have to go in and they have to stay where the animals are staying in that house. 
And the manger that is there, a manger is a feeding trough. It is a stone feeding trough that is lined with hay to put her baby on. This is not the most ideal situation. And look, we read that. How many of you, when you hear Luke chapter two and you hear the story about it, how many of you can hear him echoing in the back of your mind that episode from Peanuts where there's reading that, sweet reading that, that sweet version of Luke chapter two? I, I don't think this is all, at all what Mary is feeling. Ladies in the room who've given birth, okay? You've just given birth, no anesthesia, no nothing, after traveling a long distance in a place you didn't plan on being, you give birth, you have to put your child in a feeding trough, and somebody shows up at the door, and they say, you don't know us. We're filthy shepherds that everybody looks down on, but God told us about what was going on here, and we just wanted to know, can we look at your baby? That, that does not feel poetic. And yet she recognizes in the moment that they tell her, an angel of the Lord appeared to us and told us about this Christ child that is being born. Angelic hosts appeared to us and sang glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill upon whom God's favor rests. And we had to come see immediately this. And as inconvenient as the moment is, the Bible says she ponders this. She treasures it. Why? Because probably there's something in the recesses of her mind that she says, Bethlehem. There's something about Bethlehem. There was a prophecy from an old prophet named Micah. And in Micah chapter 5, verse 2, it says, But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel. Do you know why she's probably frustrated? Because in the ninth month of her pregnancy, some guy, some king in faraway Rome decides that everyone in the kingdom has to travel to the origin of birthplace of the husband and their family. So in her ninth month, she's got to travel 100 miles, 10 days of journey. This journey will take her 1,500 feet above where she is in elevation, which means she not only is traveling this way, she's having to travel vertically as well. She is having to go to Jericho, then up to Jerusalem, and then to Bethlehem. From Jericho to Jerusalem, there are these giant the mountains that are there and a road that runs through them in this valley. And that road is so tumultuous and so dangerous, it is called the valley of the shadow of death where there are criminals and there are thieves and there are wild animals on unpaved roads. She has not had a good time. Listen to me. There are no rest areas, okay? There's no Cracker Barrel. There's no Chick-fil-A. The Lord's chicken did not exist at that moment in time. Hear me. There's not even a Waffle House. The only thing scrambled, covered, and smothered are them and their brains at this moment in time. There's nothing about this that is, that, that is glamorous at all. There's nothing romantic about this. She's probably fed up to here going, I can't believe I've got to go to Bethlehem. But see, God promised 700 years prior to that that his child would be born in Bethlehem. She lived in Nazareth. She was from Nazareth. That's where they lived. That's where they planned on living. 
But God, through circumstances, had to get them from where they were to where he needed them to be so that his promise could be fulfilled. As Pastor Ryan said, the things that he had described for their lives and for humanity many, many years prior to them ever being born, that will that is being accomplished in their life, God had to get them to the place where they needed to be in order to fulfill the promise that he had made. Remember, they said, unto us, a child is born. Unto us, a savior is given. But can I tell you this? If you're in a place where you didn't think you were going to be, if you're at a place where you didn't think you were ever going to be, a place that you don't want to be right now, a place that feels far from where you thought you would be at this moment in your life, and you know God's made you a promise, sometimes God has to deliver, has to deliver us to a place before he can deliver unto us a promise. Sometimes he's got to navigate steps in your life to get you to a place to receive what he has promised for you in order to fulfill that promise in your life. And sometimes it's harder and more difficult than you ever dreamed or imagined. But God takes her to Bethlehem in order to fulfill a promise that he made, not just to her, 700 years prior. He made a promise to all of us. And then she remembers another promise. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, that says, The Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, and she'll give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And he says, here's the sign for you, Mary, when he tells her, She's going to give birth. He says, if this is hard for you to comprehend, if it's hard for you to believe, as Pastor Ryan read earlier, how can this be? For I'm a virgin. He prophesied it years prior. And what seemed improbable, he says, I'm proving to you because I've already given a child to your cousin who has always been barren and now past the age where she could even possibly give birth and she's pregnant. When your circumstances and the promise that God brings about, when God makes you a promise and the circumstances that are surrounding you make that promise seem improbable, God always brings to your remembrance he's already done the impossible. And that wherever you are and whatever you face, God has the power, the ability, and the authority to bring it to pass as he sees fit. This moment that she remembers and ponders in her heart makes her remember God's promises from the past. There is another moment. Right after Mary is given the promise by the angel that God is going to overshadow her, the power of the Most High is going to come upon her, and she is going to conceive a child. This moment that she ponders reminds her that God's peace is available in the present. Not only is his promises in the past, his peace is available in the present. So how do these moments, how do memories help you in the present? It's because you draw from memories in order to help you handle the present circumstances. When I was um, still in the business world, trying to navigate what God's call was on my life, I remember I preached my first sermon on a Sunday night at a small church in Tallahassee, Florida. Um, when I finished, it was not a good sermon. Like, when I say it wasn't good, the delivery was bad, the sermon was bad, the theology was probably bad. 
I wish I could tell you at that moment that there was an angel from heaven, an epiphany that came down and went, oh, I've chosen you. <laughs> the only thing that I thought in my mind at that moment in time was, well, I didn't hate it. That's it. Until I stepped down off of the platform at the end of the service, there was a lady that was probably about 85 years old. She couldn't have, she couldn't have been five foot tall. And she looked up at me with a bony finger, pointed in my face, and I thought, I'm in trouble. I mean, I knew it was bad, but I didn't know it was that bad, you know? <laughs> she just looked at me and she said, you listen to me, young man. She said, you're going to travel the world and you're going to preach the gospel. And all I could think was, who did you just listen to? <laughs> Ten years later, after coming here to serve on staff, I'm in Montevideo, Uruguay. I'm teaching a room full of leaders, and one of them asked me, has God ever prophesied and given you a dream? I said, yes. I said, how long did it take to come to pass? And it hit me in the face. My goodness, 10 years. Because it's happening right here, right now. And what I didn't realize was, I had left being a senior pastor to come be on staff, and after a few months, I was struggling with that call, struggling with not being the guy in charge, struggling with, how do I handle all this? Did I make the right decision? Did I move my family? Did, did I do the wrong thing? And all of a sudden, it hits me in the face that God made that promise to me long ago so that in a moment where I was questioning things, I could have peace in my present circumstances. As soon as Mary is told by the angel that God is going to give her this child, and he tells her, I'm going to give you a son, and the son is your cousin Elizabeth is six months pregnant. The Bible says she immediately leaves in order to go see the truth, the proof. God says, I'll give you a sign. She goes, I'm going to see it. And here's what the Bible says. A few days later in Luke chapter 1, verses 39, it says, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea to the town where Zechariah lived. And she entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. And at the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a, gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You were blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. And Mary responded, oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he took notice of his lowly servant girl. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed. She remembers this moment because there are coming moments in her life that are going to be tumultuous that are going to be difficult. They're going to be hard to navigate. And it's these moments that cause her to settle with peace in her heart, even though her own son is going to be brutally crucified and murdered for your sins and my son, sins, even though after the birth of that child, the Bible says that God is going to not only send, did he send them to Bethlehem, he's going to send them to Egypt for a while in order to protect them. And he's going to call them back. 
Her husband is going to die at an early age, and she's going to raise not only Jesus, but her other children as a single mom. These things are going to happen, and she's going to need peace in her life. This is what happens is, in some of the greatest difficulties of your life, God reminds you of his faithfulness. And can I tell you something? In some of your greatest disappointments, God will show himself to be more than faithful than you can ever imagine. Even when you're disappointed. Some of you are hearing you, you don't know my disappointments. No, but I know mine. Can I just tell you something? When my best friend and roommate in college, when I collapsed and I wasn't living right, but I prayed to God, would you, would you, would you, please, would you please save him? And he died in a few hours of an enlarged heart. And I was disappointed. I was disappointed in that. I was disappointed in God. What I didn't realize was God would take that moment, though he didn't necessarily cause it, and he would use it, and he would capture my heart with grace one more time, and I would surrender my life to the lordship of Jesus Christ and literally change the trajectory of my life and of my future family and generations to come. When I went to my first church to serve on staff, after three years, I was offered that church when the pastor retired, I was all, after three years, I was offered a church. He said, you want to pastor this church? It's a church of 700. And I said, who wouldn't? And while I was on a mission trip, a mission trip in Managua, Nicaragua, God spoke to my heart and said, you are not going to pastor this church. I'm sending you back to Mississippi, the state you're from. And instead of a church of 700, God in his graciousness sent me to a church of 55 that had split three times in the previous 10 years. Oh, what a blessed man I was. But you know what I realized? I wasn't ready to pastor a church of 700. And if I would have stayed there, I would have been a cheap imitation of somebody else instead of discovering who God made me to be. In 2011, after serving here for almost six years on staff, I wanted to stay here. I wanted to take a position that was being created for me in order to make me stay here. And God spoke to my heart and said, I need you to go pastor somewhere else. You know why? I needed the experience because I wasn't ready to pastor this church at that time. When I prayed for God to heal my wife of cancer, and he chose to take her home and let her enter into a reward that I can only hope to have one day because of Jesus Christ, our Lord. I have to tell you something. I was disappointed. But can I tell you something else? I never thought that God would allow me to stand the way he's allowed me to stand because he's allowed me to experience grace that I never thought was available and it's unimaginable. Can I just tell you something? You'll never experience grace that's amazing until you encounter pain that's unimaginable. But can I tell you something else? In those moments, God brings back memory after memory after memory and moment after moment after moment of his faithfulness and reminds you that he will never leave you nor forsake you. And even in the most difficult times, he is still Emmanuel, God with us.
and I don't know what difficulty or dark time you're going through right now, but let me tell you something. God's faithfulness in the path is just a precursor to his faithfulness to you right here, right now, and his faithfulness to you in the future. And when you understand that, you allow a peace that passes all understanding to settle in your heart and literally become the foundation of your life. These holy moments, she ponders, of God's promises from the past, of his peace in the present. But there's another moment that she will have that will remind her and she'll look back on of God's power in the future. Eight days after Jesus is born, they take him to Jerusalem and they present him in the temple. They present him to dedicate him to the Lord. And there is a man there, he's a prophet, his name is Simeon. The Bible says he's been waiting on the salvation of the Lord. The God had made him a promise, you will not die until you see the Savior. And so in Luke chapter 2, verse 28, it says, and so Simeon was there, this prophet. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace, as you promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nation, and he is the glory of your people, Israel. Verse 34, it says, Then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, the, mother's, the mother, baby's mother, This child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. And As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your very soul. And she realizes that this is not going to be an easy journey. It's not going to be an easy thing to walk through. And the circumstances that are coming are going to be difficult as well. As a precursor, she has to walk with Elizabeth as Elizabeth experiences her own son being executed beheaded, knowing what's going to happen with Jesus. As the world's greatest blessing is born, she realizes it'll also be her greatest heartbreak as well. Because her heart will break as her son is falsely accused, and he is beaten, and he is crucified and executed for not anything he's done, for sins that we have done. She's going to experience heartache like no one else has. But when you've walked with God, the way Mary walked with God, you know that God's been faithful in the past, that he's been good to you in the present, and that he will be with you and you can trust him with your future. Because even at the moment of her greatest hurt, three days later, that same child rises from the dead so that you have hope, I have hope, and we have new life. And can I just tell you something? At Christmas, we celebrate Emmanuel, God with us. Everything you will ever need found in Christ. If you're hurting, he's a comforter. If you're afraid, he's a very present help in times of trouble. If you're weak and you're overwhelmed, 
He is your strength. If you are rejected, he is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He will never leave you nor forsake you. If you're financially strapped, the Bible says he is a provider. If you are sick, he is a healer. And can I tell you, if your life has been wrapped up in sin and living the way that you think you ought to live and living a way that's contrary to the way God has called you to live, can I just tell you something more than anything else? He's a savior that can change your life and change the trajectory of not only your life, but generations to come. He loves you. He is working for your good and your glory. And one of the things that strikes me is that as Mary gives birth to Jesus, what we celebrate is Christmas. She will wipe her blood from his face. Years later at the cross, she will wipe his blood from her face. But there is coming a day because of the resurrection that the Bible says in Revelation that he will wipe every tear from your eye. No more pain, no more sorrow. The old is gone, the new is come. He is Emmanuel, God with us. He's always been with us. He's with you right now. And not only will he be with you in the future, he's already there waiting for you. And if there's anything that I can tell you is if you're experiencing difficult, dark times, Jesus himself said, I am the light of the world. And what you need in darkness is light. The Bible says that we are a peculiar people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light that we may declare the praises of him. And my prayer is, this Christmas will be a celebratory time where you remember all that God has done and the moments he has brought you through and that this day will be a moment for you where you remember. Even in my darkness, God illuminates. Even in my troubles, God brings me through. Even when I feel hopeless, I have hope in Jesus and I have hope eternal. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? If you're in this place right now and you know when you came in here, things aren't right between you and the Lord. This is your day. This is your moment. There's no more holy moment than the moment in which you surrender your life to the Lordship of Jesus. And if that's you, I want you to just pray some simple prayer. Mean it with your heart like this. Lord Jesus, I thank you for what you have done. I thank you that you were willing to come to this earth as a sacrifice for our sins. I thank you that because of that, I can be clean and whole and righteous. Not because of anything I've done, but because of what you've done. So I pray that you'll forgive me of my sin and the way that I've lived in the past. I ask also in the name of Jesus, as I surrender my heart to your Lordship, lead me and guide me through your word and through your spirit, and I will never be the same. Now I'm gonna ask everyone in this room, just pray this prayer profession with me. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. Come on, one more time. Jesus, I give you my life. Jesus, I give you my life. 
Now, with your head still bowed, eyes still closed, no one looking around except the ministry team and me. If you know when you came in here this morning, things weren't right between you and the Lord, and you're making a decision to follow him for the first time or the first time in a long time, I want to pray for you this week. Not here to call you out, embarrass you. I want to pray for you. If that's you, though, it's important. You say, that's me. Pray for me this week, Pastor. Would you just raise your hand really high while no one's looking around? Keep it up just a moment. God bless you. God bless you. Yeah, you're not alone. God bless you. Amen. Leave them up just a moment, please. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Yep. This is your holy moment. Yeah. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. All right, you can put them down. Lord, I thank you right now for lives that have been changed and souls that have been redeemed and hope that has been restored. I thank you, Lord, that this Christmas season is the greatest gift that they'll ever receive, the gift of salvation. But more than that, the gift that you have been given by them surrendering their life to you, Lord. Your word says, Lord, that there's rejoicing in the presence of angels. Not that angels rejoice, that there's rejoicing in the presence of angels. I believe that, Lord Jesus, you yourself get off of your throne and celebrate the fact that the sacrifice you made was worth it because of the surrender that people are making today. I ask now that you would give them joy unspeakable, full of glory. I pray that you take the sin and the shame that they have felt over their life and replace it, oh God, with that joy. In these next few moments, whether we find ourselves in dark places of circumstances and we light the candle and our neighbor lights a candle, may we be reminded, Lord, that you are the light of the world. And then when you come in, you change everything. And it's not just our story. It's the collective story of redemption and hope that the community of faith has that literally illuminates an entire room, an entire world. And it all started at Christmas. And so we thank you today and give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I'm going to ask you to stand with me, please. Take your candles if you would. Some of our hosts are going to light those for you at the end. I'm going to ask you to turn and light the candle of your neighbor and then worship together. And I'll come at the very end as we sing Silent Night at the very end. I'll come and we'll celebrate together in prayer. All right?
Father, thank you that in your graciousness, you chose to give us a perfect gift. I cannot imagine the depth of love it takes to give your son, but you did. And you said in your word, if you did not withhold him, is there any good thing you would withhold from us? Today, with gratitude, we celebrate that. Lord Jesus, we thank you. The Bible says you were the Lamb of God, the willing sacrifice slain from the foundation of the world. What a sacrifice. What a love. What a grace. Holy Spirit, thank you. That as Jesus ascended to the Father, he left you with us to dwell. And at Christmas, 
is Emmanuel, God with us. And even after he ascended to heaven, you are still God with us because of the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you that we are not alone. Thank you that you never leave us nor forsake us. Thank you that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Lord, from a lowly manger to an old rugged cross, to an empty carved out tomb, to a throne in heaven, we long for the day when we see you again. The day, O oh Lord, when angelic hosts are not the ones that are gonna appear on the clouds, but you yourself to call us home. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. We long for that, but until then, we say, Emmanuel, God with us. And we thank you for the perfect gift of Christ that we celebrate today. Amen and amen. Look around the room if you would. Your light is not the only light. Your story is not the only story. Your testimony is not the only testimony. Together, it makes it beautiful. Amen? If you would, would you go ahead and blow out your candle? And guess what? As the lights are coming up, you look just as good in the light as you do in the dark. How about that? Hey, can you celebrate with me today? 16 people gave their hearts to Jesus Christ in this place. Amen? Amen. It's the greatest gift. The greatest gift. Listen, before you leave today, on behalf of all of the leadership here at Mount Perrin North, I want to wish you a very Merry Christmas. And if this is your first time, or first time in a long time with us, listen. Every week we speak a blessing, it's from Numbers chapter six, and it's a pastoral priestly blessing that the Bible says that when you do this, it says, my name goes with them when you do this. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And may the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace in Jesus' name. Let's give our response from Psalm 19. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength, and my Redeemer. God bless you folks. Love you. Merry Christmas to you. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you would like to learn more about North, be sure to check out our website at mountparanorth.com. If you have any questions, you can email us at info at mountparanorth.com or give us a call at 770-578-9081. And if you're in the Marietta, Georgia area, we'd love to have you join us for worship next Sunday at 945 or 1115 a.m. Again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.